0: Chris,
1: and I'm Sean, and this is Monsters and Mythos, a podcast where we take a look at the monsters and races of Dungeons and Dragons and compare them to their folklore and mythological counterparts. This episode is titled, Why Humans Should Not Be Left Alone in Petting Zoos. (laughs) More More specifically, we will be talking about human animal chimeras, uh, specifically the centaur, the minotaur the mermaid and the satyr and i don't know about your side but when i was doing some topic yeah this is definitely going to be interesting
2: oh yeah you know so got some cool talking points and descriptors on some of these you know classic creatures today as sort of like you know, you said chimera like human ish or human half type of motif today but you know got some interesting talking points for sure
1: all right uh so with that you know we'll get started with the uh D side of things
2: okay so you know the the motif will kind of obviously reveal itself here the, you know, like as we said before the uh partial human side so uh first let's talk about you know the uh centaurs uh what is a centaur well a being or a creature depending on how you look at it i guess uh it it has the upper arms and torso and head of a human or humanoid and the lower body of a large horse you know uh, often described as Reclusive wanderers, these wilderness nomads prefer climates and terrain that are mild to hot in weather, preferring to use like hides and, and leathers in times of inclement weather, uh, almost never building permanent structures or even tents. Uh, they live together in these hunter gatherer tribes that uh, roam the wilderness, uh, steering clear from borders, laws, and uh, you know the company of other creatures in general, really. Uh, as far as D&D is concerned, uh, centaur tribes have been known to migrate to uh, great distances for long periods of time, uh, traveling many continents for decades and repeating the process and following these routes again uh, after a generation or two. Uh, lastly, they seem to be reluctant settlers, uh, only really leaving their tribe of nomads when, if and when, they are no longer fit enough to keep up with the... Uh, very demanding needs of their nomadic lifestyle or perhaps through some other tragedy uh making some of you know some of the D &D realms best druids rangers and uh even bards uh you know great npcs enemies i mean even pcs like uh the centaurs uh no no bounds you know (laughs) they show up in many realms in many stories um so aside from that Moving on to our next little beastie here, the Minotaur. Kind of like the inverse opposite, if you will, of the centaur. So what is a Minotaur? Uh, uh, This creature looks like an incredibly tall, powerfully muscled human covered in shaggy fur with the head and uh, lower body of a bull. Um, So uh, rumored to be roughly seven feet in height and, and up to 700 pounds a, a force to be reckoned with. Uh, this uh, the minotaur varies slightly depending on which edition you're playing, I suppose. But uh, a couple constants seem to stick. Uh, one that is you know one that it, is that it's a layer beast with a specific type of layer in mind for its home. You know these fiercely territorial beasts choose to layer in uh, labyrinthian dungeons or caves, primeval woods and. You know, maybe the uh, maze-like streets and passages of a desolate ruin or something. Uh, these these towering carnivores, while while not the smartest of creatures, do seem to possess a, a natural cunning that few others do. Uh, and, an innate ability to uh, memorize their surroundings on a profound level. Um... Allowing them to never become lost, this innate cunning and, and logical ability also makes them exceptional trackers and hunters within their own realms and beyond. you um, know in, in some of the older editions, the Minotaur is so aware of its surroundings it is immune to being like surprise attacked or or being caught flat footed as they used to say back in the day uh, um so. Now kind of uh continuing with the theme here, we're going to move on down to this uh to the satyr. Uh what is a satyr exactly? This being is best described as a horned man with the legs of a goat. Uh also known as fauns. These creatures are more likely to be carrying some Fine wine or top-notch spices as, as, well, as uh, well as a bit of art or poetry rather than you know, weapons outright. Uh, Though certainly capable fighters in the wilderness in particular, um, satyrs as a whole seem to be a bit more uh, hedonistic. Uh, craving the strongest of drinks, finest of dancing, most fragrant of spices and perfumes, and and have been known to you know uh, resort to mischievous ways in order to gain such comforts. Uh, one thing that uh, seems to follow these technically fae creatures through the uh, many editions of D and D is their pipes. Uh, depending on the satyr playing the pan, uh, depending on the which satyr playing the is playing the pan pipes. One may be charmed, frightened, or even put to sleep, making it easy to kidnap a beautiful singer or maybe uh, pilfer the pockets of some snoozing adventurers or you know, cause a bit of mayhem and mischief. Uh, so, uh, moving on down uh, from the Seder, uh, we move to the last member of this little grouping, kind of taking the man half and replacing it with a, a woman and subbing out fur and-, and hooves for fins and scales. I mean, at least... you know. Uh, Kind of a partial humanoid matchup. Doesn't necessarily need to be a woman. That's just kind of how mermaids are depicted. But yeah, the the mermaid or a, a merfolk rather, not not unique to any gender, but uh, the the commonly viewed as a mermaid merfolk, uh, with the upper body of a human and the lower body this, that is that of a great fish, known to to carve structures from the rocky seabed, live in undersea caverns ma- and mazes of coral, or even in the ruins of sunken cities. Uh, typically herding schools of fish, and uh, uh, um, and like land do- land dwellers would do sheep, um, and uh, kind of making good use of say like things like bioluminescent flora and fauna, uh, uh, tending to live in small communities that, aside from hunting and gathering, also may scavenge things from shipwrecks or sunken cities. Uh, Not generally thought to have the best craftsmen uh, due to the lack of underwater forges needed for materials, but uh, they excel in artistry and culture in many ways, uh, uh, mostly encountered by land dwellers uh, on accident and while in hunting parties. These amphibious creatures, however, are more playful than hostile, preferring to stun themselves on rocks rather than make warfare. Uh, adventurers, uh, when encountering merfolk, are often victims of pranks and mischief, uh, which at times is cruel, but uh, they are not an evil race necessarily. However, if t- if harmed by land dwellers or outsiders, armed with spears and whatever can be crafted or scavenged, they do make forbil- formidable a- uh, enemies, particularly uh, out at sea. Uh, one thing that's kind of different in the editions of uh, D&D is the, uh, older editions have, uh, the mermaid or the merfolk kind of, uh, classic how you would picture, you know, like say like Disney's version, Ariel and the little mermaid, but the more modern editions definitely have, you know, um, uh, a more bluish or greenish hue to the skin. And, uh, a lot of the, uh, um, descriptors have like fins and, and things, well, you know uh even on their human uh side, you know, uh, some having a uh, dorsal fin or instead of hair or something uh you know. So kind of uh, uh gained more gills and more fins over the additions. but uh was anything uh I struck on pretty close to what you had uh, looked up?
1: Well there's definitely some uh similarities centaurs being more wild, outgoing creatures. Uh satyrs being also fawn and the minotaur of course associating with labyrinth type structures considering that's what his home was and what he's known for and then with mermaids i think the reason you see such an adjustment the way it looks was when discovery channel released the uh faux documentary about mermaids it came with the argument that when humans were evolving one chain actually ended up by the water and over time evolved to be able to adapt to live in that water. So while they wouldn't look exactly like us, they would still be humanoid in appearance, but then keep some of those same ape-like features as well as developing that lower fish half. And I think that's kind of where they're going with that a lot more now than, you know, grab you and throw on a pair of fit uh fishtail and call it good
2: <laughs> yeah that makes more sense um well so that's that's all i have on this little uh on our monster mashup today it was a fun uh fun dive looking forward to you making a a, a bit of more sense out of this hodgepodge of monstrosities uh, you know i just kind of went kind of full random but uh yeah the the mic is yours sir <laughs>
1: Oh, this is not a time for uh, making sense of anything, especially as we discuss the centaur first. So the centaur, as noted, is a uh, half human, half horse, top being human, bottom half being horse. Now, where centaurs are believed to have come from, according to Greek mythology, is going to take one heck of probably
0: an acid trip to understand You see, long ago, there was this king. And
1: he was invited up to Mount Olympus by Zeus.
0: And while he was up there, he uh, seemed to have taken attraction to Hera. And Zeus noticed this.
1: And while Zeus doesn't mind uh, going off and sleeping with whatever woman happens to Grab his eye in any form he can. Golden rain, swan, a bull. He doesn't like it when people hit on
0: his wife. And so he decided to trick this king, uh, Ixion. And
1: what he did was he took a cloud called Nephili. And made her look like Hera. And thus used this cloud to trick Ixion into revealing his lust and having sex with it. And then somehow this mortal man, a king, got a cloud made to look like Hera pregnant. Now, from here, it takes one of two ways. Either A, the child born of Nephili was the centaur, or B, they gave birth to a man named Sotarus who then went on and had sex with the mares of Magnesia. And from them, centaurs were first created. So, we have a cloud giving birth to a man able to impregnate horses. And people wonder why I enjoy mythology.
0: Right? <laughs> and these were the big ones. Uh, and there
1: were a couple different tribes uh this first one was around Magnesia, and the reason they thought that perhaps the centaur came about was in this land, it is also believed where the first Greeks learned to ride horses. So if you've never seen it before and you're walking by, you see a man upon a horse riding it, that's going to freak you out and then. Tell as old as time. They tell other people, and now you have. Oh my gosh! They moved like they were one, like they were put together. Must have been man and horse combined, rather than two separate entities that just weren't equate. And when you've heard about uh, Attila the Hun and the Golden Horde and the way they were able to battle from horseback with their short bows and just devastate entire armies, you can imagine a man and beast. Being as one. Now, there were some other types of centaurs. Uh, There's one that was said to live in Cyprus, but these ones were fathered by Zeus, who ended up uh, upset that he couldn't bang Aphrodite, spilled his seed on the ground, and from there, some centaurs popped up. These ones had horns. Uh, And there's a couple others. Uh, They actually do also appear in other mythologies. There's an Indian. Mythology uh, and found in the Mahabharata called the Kanara and the Kanara Kingdom. And this was supposed to be an exotic tribe in the Himalayan mountains, and they were described as being half man and half horse beings. So, what is a centaur? Well, half man, half horse. However, it was also that base wild man. Uh, They were uncouth, they got drunk, they got violent, they were more animal than man. Except for two. Uh, The first one being the most famous, which is Chiron. Chiron was actually a centaur, however, he was believed to have been the child of uh, Cronus and Philyra. So being more of a titan, an earlier god, he was actually an immortal, but was very wise. He wasn't animalistic like his uh, counterparts. And he taught Heracles and all sorts of other Greek heroes how to be good people, to be smarter. Uh, and his death, actually, I did say he was immortal. However, when Heracles had captured Or killed the Hydra, dipped his arrows in poison, and because he didn't keep track of his arrow count, he never seemed to run out of these poison arrows. And during an incident, accidentally hit Chiron with one of these poison arrows. Now, because Chiron could not die, he would be left in perpetual pain and torment. So Zeus, taking pity on him, placed him up in the skies as a constellation the centaur or centaurus constellation. The other uh, famous centaur is Pholus, who also was seen as being intelligent and not animalistic, and a friend of Heracles. The incident I talked about, Heracles is actually visiting Pholus, and went to crack open some of his wine. However, this wine ended up being a special ceremonial wine That when the other centaur smelled it, they went crazy for it because they are raging alcoholics, and that's what caused Heracles to start shooting arrows at them because they got aggressive and attacked, wanting to get at this wine or were already drunk, and so he shot arrow after arrow, killing them, and ended up hitting Chiron accidentally during the skirmish. And one thing that's noticed in the art is when you see a drawing especially in classical of a centaur it is fully uh horse bottom with a male upper half however when discussing uh Chiron or Pholus uh in the pictograph it's a human body from head to toe with the horse then coming out from the backside so it's showing a difference thing that you know this is more like a man uh, intelligent, thoughtful, and control of his emotions that just happens to look like a horse, rather than the general centaur, which is more animalistic than human-like. Now, one thing interesting about the centaurs is that there really wasn't a lot about female centaurs. Uh, They did eventually come around uh, called centaurides, but they were more... Closer to modern than they were the classical time in which all these myths really came about. So, l- let's break down that first one. Did you think you would hear about sex with clouds in a topic about centaurs?
2: Uh, probably not. Uh, you pro- you could have gave me a hundred guesses on random shit we were going to talk about with centaurs, and sex with clouds probably was the- wouldn't-, wouldn't have made it. And
1: It just gets even crazier so we'll move on to the minotaur now the minotaur especially in folklore is a race of creatures it's there's hundreds of them however when we do speak of minotaur there was one uh and his name meant bull of minos and that minotaur actually had a proper name it was asterion in crete uh which was Minos' foster father's name given to his son. So how did the Minotaur come around? Well, when Minos was wanting to lay claim to being the proper ruler of Crete, he sent a prayer to Poseidon saying, if you give me a symbol of power, especially a bull, I will sacrifice it to you. Just make me king." So Poseidon said, deal. And he sent what later came to be called the Cretan Bull. And it was the most beautiful snow white bull anyone had ever seen. And when it came time, Minos was so enamored with this bull, he decided that, yeah, no. I know I promised I'd sacrifice it to you, but how about I do my second best bull? Because this is just too beautiful to kill. And so he sacrificed a different bull. And As anybody who has ever looked at Greek mythology knows, um, you know, Poseidon's very chill. He's cool with shit like that. I mean, ask Odysseus, you know, his uh, short journey took only 10 years because of Poseidon's chillness. So Poseidon said, oh, no, that's cool. Yeah, it's it's a great bull, huh? I'm glad you fell in love with it. You know, what if your wife fell in love with it? And he caused that to happen. So Minas' wife literally fell in love with this bull,
0: and she wanted this bull. Uh, And so Pasiphae, which is the wife's name, had
1: Daedalus make a contraption so that she could go
0: in there and hide and have the Cretan bull mount it, thus impregnating her. And then out some odd, I'm assuming nine months,
1: but with beast creatures, you never know if they follow the typical cycle. She gave birth to this half man, half bull creature, lower body man, head of a bull. And so what Minos decided to do was take, uh, go to the Oracle of Delphi, who said to build a labyrinth. Which he had Daedalus do. That's why Minotaurs are found in labyrinths. That way the beast can never escape. But you had to feed it. Well, after some years, Minos' real son ended up getting killed somehow and blamed the Athenians. And so they had to send men and women to Crete in order to for them to be sacrificed to
0: this Minotaur. One second.
2: Oh, top. Man, the Greek gods had, like, zero chill, or Roman gods, whichever you prefer. The the ancient oh. gods had no chill whatsoever. They, they were quick to, like, rape and murder, like, off the bat, every time. <laughs> Greek, n- Roman, Norse,
1: there is no such thing as a chillaxed, happy-go-lucky
0: god in any of their pantheon. True. <laughs> So, anyway, there ended up being this prince of Athens
1: named Theseus. And he said, You know what? I'm tired of us losing men and women to this beast. I'm going to go kill it. So he made a deal with his dad, said, Me, uh, ships come back with a black sail. I died. Ships come back with a white sail. I survived. Goes over, uh, ends up getting Minas' daughter to fall in love with him. And so she. Helps him find a way to find the Minotaur, kill it, and escape. Which he goes in and does. And that's really it for the Minotaur. Uh, Once this deed is done, his tale ends. Uh, The side story is that on the way back, Theseus forgot to have the ship change the sails. They came back black. The dad, who was king, killed himself, making Theseus king. But that's another story.
0: One thing I did find is that there is a uh, story in. (coughs) Time of year.
1: There's a story in ancient uh, Chinese. And there's these two figures whose jobs were to be guardians of the underworld. And their names were simply Oxhead and Horseface.
0: Oxhead had the head of an ox. Horse face had the face of a horse. I love naming conventions that are that
1: on point.
2: I mean, right on the money, right? I mean, I live in the Rocky Mountains, so I guess it happens.
1: <laughs> but I mean, their whole duty was just to guard the land of the dead, uh, capture human souls who died and bring them down to the underworld for judgment and all that to make sure no souls escape so you have a definitely a different uh portrayal
0: and how a bull-headed creature could be utilized that then brings us down to you know what let's do the satyr so
1: original depictions of satyrs were men with
0: tails and ears of a horse And in every depiction, they had a permanent and exaggerated boner. They were always shown either beating their meat or with a heart on. And I mean, that's
1: just definitely an image to see. (laughs)
2: Yeah, interesting that uh, not only are they uh, apparently always aroused, but you said they're part horse rather than goat? Yes, they started off as
1: being a horse rather than goat, and then later on they got associated with the god Pan, and that's where you got more of the fawn and then the goat halves. Uh, This did cause people to later on claim there are different types of satyrs uh pans uh satyrs known as salinas and one would be the horse one would be the goat but for the most part now they're just generally accepted as being goat and they are again very much uh nature uh beast but instead of being aggressive they are just the
0: mating every day of the year portion of uh animalistic behavior.
1: And one of the things is that they were very much associated with Dionysus, or the Roman version of Bacchus. And this was the god of sex, hedonism, and wine. Uh, The most famous story involving Dionysus is that of Midas. When he asked to everything he touched turned to gold, it was Dionysus who granted that wish. Uh, And so that is why you see a lot of time with satyrs. It's still about the drinking and the sex because that's the God they followed. They're they're always associated with him. So, I mean, why the hell not? (laughs) And so if you're looking at satyrs, you are definitely going to get more of the uh, party animal, whereas centaurs you are getting more of the aggressive... Uh, Leave us alone, don't give us alcohol, or else things are going to get violent up in here. Or the Minotaur,
0: which is definitely more the, I'm just going to eat something, including your flesh. And that brings us last to
1: the mermaid, uh, also known as a Siren. Now, if you have been listening to us, you may recall back in probably our second episode, right after the humans, The episode on harpies, I mentioned sirens, and how they were originally depicted as being half bird, half woman. Who then, after Odysseus sailed through without jumping to his death, decided to kill themselves by throwing themselves into the water. Uh, I would take it as, once they did this, they were turned into fish rather than birds. To continue doing what they did, because they behaved in that same way of singing to lure you over to your death by crashing on rocks or jumping into the water. And so they've followed some of that same uh, motif. Just instead of being bird, they were now part fish. Uh, and as you said, mermaid is women only. However, there are mermen. It's just mer being uh, sea, and then men and maid, male and woman.
0: Otherwise, merfolk. Now, one interesting thing is that mermaids or merfolk do have
1: different entities throughout the world. Uh, In Africa, you have what's the mamiwata.
0: And what this is, it's a water spirit. And they would do some of the same things.
1: they were fluid, so they would appear as man or woman, but it was known as uh, Mother of the Waters. And they weren't always dark. Uh, they would offer healing, wisdom. Uh, they would help uh, keep off natural disasters. However, it was also possible for them to conjure up
0: these uh, natural disasters in eastern europe
1: uh slavic myth mythologies more specifically have the water nymphs called Rusalki, and these started off as being spirits of fertility and agriculture however over time they became darker uh following more in the tales of what you had coming out of greece and rome so by the 1800s they were then oh they're the ghosts of women who drowned and Because
0: they're pissed off, they're going to lure men to their deaths as well. Uh, In Scotland, you have the selkie, which were actually
1: shape-shifting seals. So a seal would come up on land, shed off the seal skin, and be a beautiful woman to enjoy her time on land. Then she would put back on the seal suit and go back into the water. It was said that if a fisherman uh, was able to find a selkie seal skin after it had been discarded, they could force that selkie to then marry them as a woman
0: until they found their skin and ran away to go back into their water. So very dark tales on that one.
2: Yeah, and I so- mean, the, uh, that silky tail... Uh, I don't know if you've ever watched it, but uh, there's a there's an old uh, older movie called The Isle of Roninish and it's it's about the silkies and their tail and it's actually a really touching movie despite being like you know late eighties or so when it was released. It's actually pretty good. If you get the opportunity to check it out, you should.
1: I'll have to check that out. So after all this, how can you play your creatures? Well. The Minotaur is one where you can do just about anything you want. Uh, It was just originally one creature, but now that it's a playable race, I mean, throw them in a labyrinth maze. Throw them wherever you want. But you can also have fun with how it came about. Uh, Is it a guardian as an ox head where it's trying to protect some far land, or is it more of the Minotaur, where you're going to have to fight this thing, or it's going to kill you, rip your limbs off, and eat them for breakfast? Uh, the Centaur, well, of course, you can play them back to their aggressive roots. You know, I have a wide swath of them
0: that are just the we will tear shit up. Just because we can. <laughs>
1: And while I am a very much an advocate of you don't have to play any creature a particular way, there's no inherently good or evil, when you're following the mythology and the folklore, I think it's very acceptable to play them in that manner. Uh, they could be good but have just short fuses. Uh, or you could always create a Chiron or this, uh type centaur Perhaps one that's a little bit different and able to associate more with men. But there would always be that weariness of humans being around centaurs, especially if they were invited to a party. Because you just know if they ever got drinking into the wine, things were bound to get violent. Uh, For the satyr, I would probably stay away from the mythology. (laughs) I don't think there's a lot of campaigns or storylines where you're going to want creatures running around with hard-ons the entire time.
2: I mean, nobody really wants it, but I mean, you'll have to admit, even in our campaign, there's ha- there there has been some hard dick talk once or twice.
1: <laughs> oh, it definitely comes up. I just know if I were playing in a game, I wouldn't want to, every time you come into the clearing,
0: you see a man. With the legs of a goat, playing a pan flute, stroking himself. There's only so
1: much of that where you just tell you, just like you know what, I'm castrating all of them.
0: <laughs> True. <laughs> and then with the mermaid or merfolk, uh, I that one you could play
1: any way you want. There's not really. A set because you do have good ones who are very benevolent, very helpful, you have bad ones who are trying to kill
0: you and drown children and men because well I mean why the hell not and that's pretty much
1: a very abbreviated version you there's a lot of centaur stories uh so you could definitely break that down to through the different tribes uh, I'll learn more about Chiron uh the interactions of Heracles with them. Uh, The Minotaur could get even more into the story because I mean, there's been entire episodes and movies just based upon that one story of Desi is facing the Minotaur. Uh, One note is that one belief of where the Minotaur story comes from is that it was actually an Athenian propaganda as to the promotion of Brain, the intelligence of Athens
0: versus the brunt uh, bull worshipping brawn of Crete so I mean even in the BCs you had political propaganda
2: yeah that makes uh, uh, you, give you a little narrative thought, thought fodder there you know oh absolutely and so you can
1: uh, do more research into that. Mermaids, again, they're all over the world, so many different stories. Uh, could, there's entire shows that spend weeks upon that topic. Uh, but that's not what we want to do. We just want to
0: give general overviews. And the Seder, uh, read at your own risk. So, what do you think about the folklore mythology of the
1: keep humans away from their petting zoo.
2: It's probably uh, you know it should be it should be a law in most states really but you know uh, you know as far as kind of like an overview on it yeah I mean like the like you said like the mermaid or like the merfolk I feel like that's just kind of like uh, kind of a fun like maybe coastal or you know uh, maritime type of like encounter because it could go any which way just kind you know merfolk just like regular folk are are all kinds of different alignments there's you know really good benevolent ones there's others that would you know potentially eat your face for a new flavor you know so kind of just uh, um uh, a toss-up on how you uh kind of come at it with your players but then uh, also the the satyr you know i like i like the thought of uh um kind of like a fey creature that's just kind of Maybe an NPC uh, that is helpful or maybe, you know, a villainous in a way, you know, just kind of someone aloof and out, you know, an, an interesting kind of NPC in my mind that you can kind of like force upon your players in a way, you know, because, you know, if they are say in a place like the Wild or this, you know, uh, Sator for some reason or another has come across them and taken interest, you know, he can... You know, uh, either aid or t- torment them, or you know, even have it as like a random encounter. Like, how cool is it to like sc- uh, come across a river bend where you know there's a bunch of bathing satyrs who are all uh, you know a bunch of uh, uh, essentially attractive goat men, all kind of like buff and you know washing in the river or something. You know, there's plenty of ways you could roll with it, uh, and and you know the uh, the centaur uh, um, getting like kind of uh, a bit. I feel like it's not necessarily evil, but that, like, the centaurs, when you give, put a little alcohol in the mix, get, like, a. Uh, uh Rowdy to the maximum amount of like before you can consider being rowdy, just straight up violent, you know what I mean? Uh, and you know, uh, I don't know, there's def- definitely different thought fodder that you can go with, like you said, in all the different tribes and things of the centaurs. Then you know, you could, uh, uh, depending on the terrain and geology, you know, there could be a wide array. Maybe it's wine, maybe it's ale, maybe you know, maybe they're they realize that they're a bunch of wild, crazy fucks on alcohol, and there's like you know, uh, uh, uh an AA movement amongst these you know, wild traveling nomads or something, you know, <laughs> who knows? Uh, and, and, you know, like the Minotaur, I, I feel like it doesn't necessarily need to be a straight up enemy uh, all the time or, or, or something, but maybe like an encounter in and of itself, like, You have to make your way through this thing's territory before it finds you. And so, you know, doing things like covering your tracks or maybe tracking it to kind of gauge its position, perhaps doing things to like throw it off or set traps or something. You know, it's a whole thing that you can actually engage rather than, you know, just straight up fight. So, yeah, uh, that's my two cents on the subject. Um, uh, Aside from from that, anybody out there wants to... um, Uh, tune into me and Chris doing some more nerdy shit. Go check out my YouTube channel. It's uh, all one word, TaterbrainPod. Chris, you got anything you want to add in in closing?
1: Absolutely. Um, I do agree with you about the Minotaur being a runaway boss. That that would be very fun. And it just hit me that anybody who's listened to Critical Role and remembers Garmilli from the first campaign is the satyr who – Has a very unique art style that fits the Seder. (laughs) Uh, But yes, you can follow us on socials. We are on threads and Instagram as at monsters.mythos. We are on X, formerly Twitter, as at monsters underscore mythos. Or you can find us on Facebook at monsters ampersand, which is the ansible mythos. Uh, If you have any questions, comments, or you want to hear a topic sooner rather than later, you can email us at monstersandmythos, all spelled out, at gmail.com.
0: Thank you for listening.